Hey, this is Ken Nagra from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Sean Berry with us. Sean is a coach and a mentor at First Nature. First Nature Coaching has a unique approach to personal development and lifelong pursuit of positive growth and experience. Each client is supported in building a relationship with nature and is supported in learning how to leverage the connection as a mirror in which they can see themselves more clearly. With that being said, let's hear it from Sean. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to host you. Let's begin with your journey. It's about yourself and when did you choose coaching? Yes, I grew up mostly rurally when I was young. Uh, and for a good stretch of my early teen into my late teen years, I lived on a small farm that we worked just as a family. And so I was outside and very engaged with the land itself and animals and just being in nature. So that has always been something that has followed me through my life journey. And coaching really came into focus after I did a ceremony called the Vision Quest, as some people know it, or Vision Fast. It's a rites of passage process that involves four days and four nights alone in nature with facilitation available, but essentially you're taking a solo journey by yourself for four days and four nights with just water and, and nature. And that really is what opened a connection to me, <clears throat> excuse me, to understand the power of nature to help understand ourselves. Wow. So please continue. Yeah. So the way I like to think about it is if you're living on this planet, you're, you have to eat food, right? And everything we eat, whether if you're a vegetarian or vegan or a full-on meat eater, you're eating the plants that come out of the soil or you're eating the animals that come, that eat the plants that come out of the soil. But either way, you're ingest, you're literally ingesting earth because it's all coming out of the soil. And anything that you don't excrete, whatever muscles and bones and what makes you up physically is literally what you've retained of the earth that you've taken into your body. Even you can say this even scientifically that we are literally the earth, the soil of the earth walking around, looking at itself, interacting with itself. And, and always, even the phones and our devices are made from earth. Nothing fell out of the sky from some other place intact. In that respect, I find that a really powerful connection to know that no matter how disconnected or lost we can feel from ourselves or from our communities and our purpose in life. To me, the key there is that <clears throat> I've heard some circles say that feelings are not facts. Feelings are real, but they're not facts. So the feelings can really mislead us. And something that I really take heart in is no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, if I'm developing a relationship with nature, I know that I'm always connected because I can always get back to that anywhere I am. I find that, yeah, I find that sort of just a really helpful way just to get people back to just a place of neutrality where they can relax and just find that baseline connection. And from there, we can start doing more of the personal work of how they got disconnected and, and why they're in some kind of emotional or situation or whatever happening in their lives. We can backtrack it to let's just connect with the truth, which is you're not disconnected. We just feel like we're disconnected. So that is just diagnosing where, where do those feelings come from and what are the stories behind those feelings. So basically, the thought process here is you are indeed the nature because you have been consuming the nature all the time. So things that come from the nature. Question to you, can you please explain the steps then? Can you tell us about the methods, the frameworks that you use when you coach? Yeah, so for me, I would say that I use the co I don't really use the word coach too much because I feel like that has a little bit of a sterile connotation for the work that I'm trying to get people to do. So a coach is a useful word as, as far as like understanding. The way I like to think about a coach is if I'm an athlete, athletes have coaches and a coach is not giving something to the athlete that they don't have. The athlete is not relying on the coach 
to do what they can do, right? The coach is basically diagnosing them. They're able to observe them uh, from an unbiased place to help give uh, observations to the athlete that they can then implement for themselves to increase their performance. In that respect, I do, f that's where I feel like coaching is a good term to use in this respect because ultimately I'm just pointing people back to nature. If I'm working with somebody, we'll have the standard conversation model where there's some intake and there's some dialogue and questioning and uh, just a basic process of, of getting the story. What, okay, what's the someone's walking in with? You know, and usually there's uh, someone's coming into a coaching. Their story is pretty high level, meaning they're, they're pretty caught up in the story. So it's helping someone to uh, first just emotionally recognize that they're in a story. And it's not good, bad, right or wrong. It feels real, but it may not be factual. And to me, that's the first step is just, can we just disintegrate a little bit of how we live into a story and not live into the reality that produced the story? And once we made that basic distinction, then, yeah, that, then there's conversations just breaking down into the components of what created that story. But ultimately, after a conversation session, what I'm always going to do is give them some kind of activity to go out and do in nature. And, and for a lot of people, I mean, especially in California, there's a, people hike a lot. People get outdoors a lot. It's very common. I don't think there's here, there's not too much issue with people feeling uncomfortable or not or, or concerned about getting into nature. But it is helping them drop down to another level of, you know, if you're hiking with your dog or if you hike to get a workout, that's great. You're getting outside. But see if you can start taking walks, right? So even it's even in the language. Don't call it a hike. Call it a walk. Don't take a hike in nature. Take a walk in nature. Or even better, take a wander in nature, right? So it's really getting into using new diet, new language and bringing new concepts through language into how we actually approach the activities in our life. And so getting someone to understand that they can go take a wander in nature. And because most people, when they take hikes, it's like there's a destination they're trying to get to, or they've got a certain amount of time, or they're with somebody, or they're with their dog, or there's some kind of super activity that's on top of actually just getting out on the landscape. To the best that I can, I just really encourage them to drop all the pretexts. Can you just take yourself out and just wander on a landscape? Start on a trail, but go off the trail, right? Wander through the trees a little bit and just start getting into your senses. Really, it's just getting back to your senses, your, your main senses, sight, touch, taste, smell, and feeling, and dropping out of our mental process, our intellectualized sort of way that we engage the modern world and as modern humans, and getting back into understanding this more fundamental concept of every thought and anything that's happening intellectually first starts with a sensory input. And so it's just like, let's just pay attention to our sensory input. Let me just, you know, get down to the hardcore facts of life. I'm touching this tree. This tree feels rough. This stone feels smooth. This air smells damp. My skin feels warm. That sun is bright. Whatever. It's just really getting into, can I just process the actual real world and stay present to that first and foremost? So that's really the first step is get out of the story, get back into the reality of your living and walking around on a planet as part of that planet. Wow. So totally, I understand it to, to an extent. But my question to you, the next question to you is about explain it to us in the form of the uses of doing this in the modern world, meaning, let's say, an entrepreneur friend of us listening to this conversation wants to grow their business, right? How mm -hmm. is taking a walk in the nature, being present, feeling the feelings? So how is sure. that? Yeah. Sure. Big picture. Everybody's pretty aware that we have issues with our climate, 
whether it's man-made or naturally occurring, that's not really my focus. But what is important is that it's everyone's concerned about it. People are concerned. And we're starting to see a, a lot of big things happening around the world just with how the climate is responding to whatever it needs to do. And it's upsetting people's lives, upsetting cultures, upsetting entire nations. And I would say at least most of the modern technologies that we've developed as humans are not helping the situation, right? I think we can at least agree to that. So when it comes to building a business, it's looking at all the ways we've made, we're doing humanity in, in one way, right? There's a lot of ways we could be doing humanity. This just, just, this happens to be the one that we've chosen collectively over the 350,000 years that Homo sapiens has been walking the earth. It's just one way we've done it. It could look a lot of different ways. We don't know what those other ways look like because we're locked into this way of our, our self-awareness and applying technological innovation to create a more safe and secure and convenient lifestyle for ourselves. And when we build more technologies and develop more intellectualized technologies that take our natural resources and manipulate them further and further into distinct and discrete applications for our safety, security, and technology, that creates a distance between having a relationship with where those resources come from. And for me, it doesn't matter what business you're in, it's primarily based on relationships. No one, I'm saying this generally speaking, but no one starts a business to work by themselves in a vacuum and not interact with anybody. Generally, people have an idea, they want to share their idea, they want to uh, inspire and connect with people, help people with their idea and build community around uh, having a, a common perception about how this idea is a good thing. And so I feel like the, the missing link here is that we have a lot of technological innovation and a lot of wonderful, innovative ways that we are building communities around our technologies. The problem is we're so disconnected from nature, from the planet that's providing all that resource. We're actually innovating things that are, we're running into a little bit of a crossroads of a lot of these models and systems and ways of doing business and our value and purpose for technologies are not helping us in the end. So it's not so much about we can't have business and entrepreneurs the way that we do. It's just that there's a fundamental change underneath about the why. We all have great ideas, right? Everyone has, I have a dozen great ideas every day, right? And if people have a great idea, it inspires them, it motivates them to take action, to make it real, to manifest it in the world. But the thing is, not every great idea is a good idea as far as how it's going to implement into the world and change the world. Because every time you take an action, Physically, every time you walk out your front door, you're changing the world because you're putting yourself into it. And as beings, we act, we take action, we do activities. So it really comes down to this fundamental thing of where, where is someone's values and standards around the Native Americans talk uh, in the Northeast used to sit in council and talk about other big decision-making processes based on the set, how it's going to affect the seventh generation. So it's, so it's like coming in, I've got great ideas. Is it going to make their lives better? Like 75 years down the, or 85, whatever it is, seven generations down the road, is it going to help them? Maybe not because, so it's really having that kind of awareness around these longer term effects of our technologies. And so coming back full circle to why is it important to get out into nature is because when you build a relationship with nature, that is the first and fundamental relationship as humans that we should be building because if we can have a strong relationship with ourselves and nature and understanding that the planet is not just piles of dirt of resources waiting for us to manipulate it. The planet is an organism, right? And if we can relate to the planet as a living organism, the way we relate to each other as a living organism, then we're going to start building 
businesses based on that fundamental relationship? Is it, is it good for the earth? Because if it's not good for the earth, ultimately, it's not going to be good for us down the road. Got it. That's the, the deep diagnosis I'm really trying to get down to with people. Totally. So how do you work with clients? Tell us about that. What is the way? What are steps of you working with the client? And tell us then about the client success story. Yeah, I don't work too much. When I'm working with someone, I'm not too concerned about their business end of it, right? I'm really just looking at the human and trusting that if I can work with them on expanding and redeveloping how they perceive themselves as a being on a planet, that will trick into how they do business and, and build their companies and have their professional relationships. So it's for me, it's a little more of a, a bottom-up process as opposed to a top-down process. And that can take several sessions and conversations to get into. I, I do intake meetings, of course. I lay out to them something similar to what I'm saying here, which to a lot of people, it's a foreign idea. It's like, what are you, huh? It's really like beyond them. And so there's a little, there's still an art that I'm developing with the art of the story. Like, how do I tell this story to someone where they can actually connect with it quicker as opposed to being really not sure about what they're hearing and understanding the power of it. But ultimately, once someone is willing to go into this process, it is, it's really more of a personal work. So there's, I set it up where we do regular traditional like sessions with conversation and questioning and lines to questioning designed to uncover we're all so something with a human that is really great is we don't have to like re our memory we pattern and we create habits and we we're able to get a lot done because we can go on autopilot through most of our day right we got all these little systems set up and the way we do things and if we get them down good our routines are good so we don't have to we can set it and forget it and get to the bigger things in life we're trying to get to so a big part of the work is really just getting down to the consciousness of let's look at your routines let's look at your habits let's look at the patterns you've established and what are they based on what are the standards and values that you've based them on and and what are the resources required to support those and are they are they long? Are they really serving? So again, it's the bottom-up thing. I'm trying to think of a quick example of a car you drive, the toothpaste you use, where you buy. Are you buying fast fashion? Because it's really easy to go to H and M and it's cheap, and you want to look good. But that habit is not really. And if you're trying to build a business and a company that's trying to create some kind of longevity and sustainability, your smaller habits are in conflict with your bigger goals. So it's really helping people get into the nitty gritty of just looking at every little piece of their life. It really is like just going back to, to ground zero and saying, let's look at every little piece. And within those conversations, within that work, there's exercises around getting out in nature, building a relationship. That's really what it comes down to. I get people to start talking to trees. I get people to start talking to stones. I get them to start listening to birds and looking for critters in the ground and befriending a mosquito instead of swatting and killing it, which to a lot of people just feels like completely nuts. Like, why would you try to do any of that? It's all woo. But the truth of the matter is, no one can deny that as human beings, we are creatures that relate. We can't not build connection. That is basically what we hear. That's one of the markers of our humanity is that we build connection. And it doesn't matter what you put in front of somebody, they will build some kind of connection with it because they can't help themselves. So for me, it's, it's putting them in front of things that, are, that they're going to build really healthy connections with that are going to not only serve them personally in their lives and help reorient the values and standards of how they make decisions for themselves, but that's going to trickle up into how they make decisions and build values and standards within their companies and the people they work with. Got it. Can you give us an individual success story on what happened and how it happened with the client? A lot of the clients that I work with, I have some... I have, a number of people I'm working with just privately one-on-one -on, -one on the side. But a lot of the people I work with come through a program that I do 
which is the Rites of Passage program, the four-day, four-night fast in wilderness, right? And that's basically a four- to five-month program that culminates into... So the first two months is basically just prep work. We call it severance, the severance period, which is like looking at your identity. Who are you? Then the middle part is called the thresholds, which is actually going through the ceremonial ordeal, which is going out there for four days and four nights and just removing yourself from all constructs. You're fast. You're not just fasting from food, but you're fasting from your relationships. You're fasting from your career. You're fasting from your beliefs and philosophies because there's no way to really act on them. You're just out there by yourself for a few days. And then incorporation is then coming back with that new identity of what did you discover about what's really true about yourself in that context? What is your true identity? And reorganizing your life to start living through that more truthful identity. Specific, for me, this is the thing about coach work and any kind of program. There's a lot of, you know, you go on social media and you see all kinds of programs you can do, right? Five steps to this, three steps to this, do my powerful weekend and get clients tomorrow. And there's this term out there called peak experience, right? Go out and get the peak experiences, go out and get the transformational, the, the big hit. But what people are not really realizing is if you talk to anyone who's really, truly successful, they're going to tell you that you have to have support at the end of the experience. You have to have incorporation. Right, which means taking all the ethereal philosophies, beliefs, experiences, understandings, teachings, everything you got that are outside your body, and you've taken them in through one of your senses, right? You've either seen it or you heard it or you acted it out, right? All these things we do in workshops and whatnot. And then actually you have to incorporate that. Literally, you have to get it into your body because your body is how we do things done. No one just sits there and meditates for their 10-hour workday and money shows up in the bank. Like you actually have to get up out of your seat and go do physical things to build your life and build your relationships. So that incorporation thing is ongoing. So for me, the, as far as individual success stories, no, I can't tell you that I took someone off the street and coached them into a multimillionaire successful person. <laughs> but I work with people off and on. There's the, the program I do, which is like four to five months. And then there's recurrences of just check-ins depending on where they're at and what they're needing to just get that incorporation support to talk to someone who knows what they've been through, who knows uh, the standards and values that, they, that they've readjusted, who was there when they had the transformational experience, was able to witness and observe their true authentic self, and basically just remind them, just remind them, help them relive that experience so they can get the embodiment, that flush of embodiment that they had when they actually went through it the first time and resensitize themselves to, oh yeah, this is how it feels to be my authentic self. This is that feeling. And just basically reset and go back out into the world. Because it's like anything. You look at anything in the world and, and nothing just sustains itself after everything goes through cycles of reiterations. So it's important to realize that just because you get the big hit, the big experience, it's not like that's just the beginning. Now the real work begins, which is can you sustain that into every part of your life? And that requires massive support. That requires community. It requires having people around you that know who you truly are, that want to support and cultivate that person that they know you are. And that's not everybody. A lot of people, a lot of us have people in our lives who don't want us to change because when things are the same, it's comfortable, it's known. We don't have to adjust or work to, to, to accommodate, but that's just not the way life is. And we all know if anyone's gone through any kind of growth spurt, we all know it's really scary, it's painful. We go through a lot of uncertainty, 
and we don't we lose a sense of who we are because there's shades of us that are dying off. But the upside is if you've got a group of people that you consider your close community who are supporting you and guiding and just reminding you, we see you, we know what you're up to, we're checking in on you, we're reminding you, we're calling you out or calling you forward if you fall off. We're not just like leaving you out there. To, to me, it's, as, as far as myself goes, I feel like, yeah, I guide people through that process, that transformative process. I uh, definitely am like a stakeholder in supporting them to continue growing into that new person. But ultimately, I can't do that for everybody I work with. I've worked with hundreds of people over the years. So they have to go through and do their own responsibility of drawing people in so that they have that those people in their lives. And ideally, they're people in their, in, in their actual lives. Now, sometimes you just got to get your online people as you can. But if you can have people in your actual life who can show up with you in person, it's so much helpful because there, there is that, again, we're physical beings. So there's that embodiment piece of, it's one thing to have a, a you know, conversation on a phone that really helps you. It's another thing to have that conversation with somebody face-to-face because there's more transference than just someone's voice. There's all this other expression that we have through our body language, our presence, our aura, our energy, just our personality that comes through that is also communicating to us. So it really comes down to community for the long term. Sean, people are getting curious now. They want to reach out. So what are some ways they should be aware of to reach out to you? Yeah, the, so I'm on Instagram. That's the primary place interface with the internet. They can go to Our First Nature. O-U-R, Our First Nature, uh, at Our First Nature. That's on Instagram. That's on LinkedIn as well, the same. You can email me directly at seanbarryatme.com, S-H-A-W-N. And uh, yeah, that would be the main way. So I don't, the website, ourfirstnature.com is my website. So you can reach out there. So that would be the main ways. Got it. Got it. So do reach out, guys. Final question for you, Sean. Tell us about the final thoughts. What thoughts do you want? audience to think about after hearing this conversation? Yeah, final thought. So I'll, I'll try to keep this synced. Here's something that I'm always thinking about, right? I'm a modern white dude who enjoys comfort and convenience and my new laptop and all the things. And there's a part of me that like wants those comforts and conveniences. It's a part of me that knows what it costs the world and the planet to have those things. What I find fascinating is there's still indigenous cultures around the world in South America and Africa and Australia, up in the Arctic ring, there's still tribal communities that still live the same way they've been living for tens of thousands of years. So for instance, the Australian Aborigines, they're still living this in the same lifestyle that they developed almost 50,000 years ago. And what fascinates me is it's not like those Aborigines don't know what we have available. And there is some attrition. They do, they're losing, obviously, a lot of their land that they live traditionally on. And some of the youth do see what's available in the modern world and they do go to it. But in general, those cultures have been intact for longer than any other civilization. And to me, what's fascinating is what are they understanding about, what are they perceiving in their reality that gives them an ability to look at our modern things and all the stuff that we think is so amazing and so cool and and be and, and look at it and be like, yeah, it doesn't, it's not really fulfilling enough to go and get it. Our life's feeling purposeful enough with the way we do it. So I'm always looking at what are they seeing? What are they perceiving in their way of life that I am not yet perceiving? Not that I need to go live like a tribal person, but I know for sure there, I have way more than I need to feel fulfilled in life. 
I don't need to go get another cool t-shirt. I definitely don't need to upgrade to the next iPhone. I definitely don't need to buy the latest and greatest electric car, but I feel compelled. I feel compelled. And I'm like, what is compelling me? If I can get behind that compelling and get more aligned to what is truly fulfilling to me beyond the material goods, then I'm going to even elevate myself to having a more conscious choicefulness around my, my habits, my patterns, my routines that are going to support have the seventh generation, my grandkids, that there's still going to be a, a healthy planet for them to get a fulfilling life out of too, because we won't have messed it up too much. Yeah. That's one thing I'm always thinking about. And for me, the connection is always getting out into nature because that's where it all starts. It sure does. It sure does. If you resonated with Sean, do reach out to Sean. Thank you so much, Sean, for such a great conversation. It was a pleasure to meet you today and an honor to host you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Love to talk about this stuff. And uh, yeah, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you again. With that said, I am your host, Kiran Nagraj, signing off for the day. You guys take care. Bye, guys.